Dishonored. And today I would like us to take a moment to acknowledge the loss that we have recently had to endure as a couple. We are currently mourning the loss of Jake's beard. Jake speaks of this event as a collective we that committed a heinous crime, but when in fact it was I. I committed the crime. I acted alone. Some of you may think that I was seeking revenge for Jake outing me as a 90 Day Fiancé fan, which some of you may be right, but honestly that's not true. I'm not vengeful like that. That is incorrect. I am just a clumsy, bumbling fool, and I just done goofed a sideburn like... Ooh, it was past the point of no return. The night after the incident, I woke in the middle of the night because like a responsible 90 Day Fiancé fan, I left the TV on because I fell asleep. Uh, watching it, and I didn't recognize the man laying beside me. And as I swallowed back a scream, I realized that the strange-looking man beside me was in fact Jake. And ever since that event, every time he comes home, he's greeted with a, Ugh, why do you look like that? Then I become consumed with guilt because it is my fault. So anyway, if you join us for a moment of silence, or if you prefer to go this route, you can pour one out for our fallen homie while Jake's beard works on growing back like the beautiful damn phoenix it is. I thank you for your time. And I'm Jake. Welcome to a podcast most foul. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I still feel really bad. It, Jake is so nice and he's like, we messed it up. But it was my idea to trim it. Because you were looking a little rough. And now you just look hella rough. Yeah. Um, my face is right now feeling a little bit like sandpaper. It's going to take a while to look normal again. And um, and it's all your fault. <laughs> it is my fault. <laughs> it is my fault and I can't argue. Um, anyone who's interested, I could uh, show you the, the disaster in the uh, Discord. But I would like for it all to be through DMs and not in the Discord. I don't want to see it any more than I have to because why do you look like that? I don't know, man. Something happened. It was me. <laughs> it was me. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that it was my fault. Um, It was my fault. My bad. I fucked up. And, and now my husband looks weird. And before anybody um writes out a comment like, ah, Jake, why are you making her do this? I am not upset at all. Anna's more upset than I am. I just, I fucked up, okay? This is all me. Jake's like, it's fine. I took I, I took him to the store. I bought him a video game because I felt bad. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I take things to heart a lot more than I'd like to admit. But man. <laughs> so, anyway, um... <laughs> Today, we are finishing the book. We did the dang thing. We did the dang thing. We are going to be uh, recapping chapter nine and talking about the epilogue, if there's much to talk about there. So, do you want to get started? Okay. Um. So, I do have a few questions. Okay. I guess already, right off the bat. Is this the podcast episode where you tell me about the super secret messages or is that in the super awesome bonus episode it's gonna be in the super awesome bonus episode where listener you can ask us questions and we will answer them maybe yeah so ask us anything in the mailbag discord where i will eventually maybe see them but jake will and if you want to send us a 
tweet tweet at us i'm not on twitter guys um you can twitter at us and we will answer <laughs> anything from there as well um so chapter nine we are rejoined with artemis as he's trying to open the door to the room where he juliet and butler are in but he's unsuccessful because uh, the fairies locked the door and they kind of sealed it. So for his attempts, he is rewarded with a scorched palm, which I said serves him right for sticking his nose where it doesn't belong. Um, <laughs> Holly welded the door shut with her neutrino. Which is great. And <laughs> I'm going to tell you that it took me until like this chapter chapter to realize that a neutrino is a gun. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know what I thought it was. Like, maybe I thought it was, like, a broom, like, off of Harry Potter, you know, like, his Nimbus or... Yeah, his Nimbus 2000, I don't know. I really don't know, because those books wrote themselves at this point in our lives' times. Artemis knew that by sending in a troll, they would interpret the cries for help as an invitation to enter the home. He noted that this was the second time that he had been incorrect, and he thought that there wouldn't be a third, because at this point... He's a little pissed that his calculations did not include (laughs) this nonsense. Um, Artemis was filled with pride as he noticed that Butler had defeated the troll. You know, we're just gonna, like, forget that he, like, Loki didn't defeat the troll at first until, you know, the troll was weakened a little bit. So, you know, whatever. Take your wins when you get them. Take the W. Alright, well, (laughs) activating the radio... Uh, Artemis attempts to communicate with Root, but got Foley instead, where Foley referred to him as a kidnapping low-life human, which Foley's just spitting facts over here. Artemis says that it is unwise to uh, antagonize the hostage taker. He might be unwell. Unstable. He might be unstable. And Foley, being the blunt monster that he is, he said, may be unstable. There's no may about it. Um, <laughs> he informs Artemis okay. about how soon he'll just be a cloud of molecules. Of radioactive molecules because they're going to bomb his ass. <laughs> Root grabs the mic and uh, gets Artemis's new ultimatum. Artemis says, uh, you betrayed me by sending in that troll. And so you now have 30 minutes or I want to escape the time field and you're only going to kill Commander Holly. And they're all just like, bullshit. There's no way to escape the time freeze. Human, you're nuts. But Artemis still reminds Root that even in spite of his betrayal, he's willing to negotiate. Yeah, and so now he uh, sits back to wait. Now that the Lep has taken the bait, they're going to pay the ransom, believing that they'll get it back when everyone's dead. Butler eventually breaks into the room that Artemis is trapped in, and they start talking, and it kind of quickly becomes obvious that Butler doesn't believe in the morality of the plan anymore. Yeah, he is starting to get very uneasy with it, especially since Holly saved his life. So now he's like, man, I owe her a big one. Artemis doesn't explain the rest of his plan, but he tells them that they are going to win and no more harm will come to anybody. And Butler's just like, well, I guess I trust you. I mean, he has to tell him he trusts him because that's what he's getting paid for. (laughs) So back at the LEP temporary headquarters... Kudgeon is now freaking out, trying to uh, pretend that the whole, like, failure of the troll thing was Holly's fault. And he's like, well, well, my plan only failed because your captain helped the humans. If she didn't help the humans, then then it would have worked. But I think going with what they know, it would go against her training not to have helped them in that situation anyway. So then I feel like there would have been maybe some negative impact to Holly. 
Yeah, and um reprimanded? That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Root knows that Kudjin kind of actually has a leg to stand on though. And so he's like too bad there's no video of the fight with the troll. Uh, we just ran out of the darn discs. There's no proof that she helped out the humans. So then when I read that, I just pictured Root, like, chewing on one of his crusty cigars and just taking the disc and going, yeah, into the fire or something. <laughs> uh, shame there's no, uh, shame there's no discs, huh? As he's... <laughs> Throwing them out the window or something. <laughs> Throwing them into a uh, mulch diggum shit pile because nobody's going to go through that. Nobody. <laughs> they also find out that Kudjin is no longer the acting uh, the acting commander of the operation. And he is going to have to sit through a council meeting to determine the fate of his job. Since his plan backfired so poorly. Which I hope that like... In fairy world, they actually get deserving consequences, not like in, you know, America, where um, they don't. But, yeah. you know, that's a story for a different time. <laughs> um, so, Root orders the sprites to start loading the gold onto a hover trolley. Fully tells them that they have just about, like, 15 minutes before the time stop disappears, and everyone will be able to see them, and then they won't be able to use the biobomb anymore. So, Fully radios Holly and tells her the plan. And she's like, yeah, but what about the humans? We could, we could, I could come back in and I could mind wipe them and, and just hide the gold in the walls and we could get it back tomorrow. Juliet's an innocent. What about her? They tell her that it's just a casualty of war. Juliet threw her lots in with the wrong side. It's not like she had a choice in the matter. She didn't choose to be born for a bodyguard family. So then Holly tries to warn Butler about what is going to happen. And Butler just has a huge level of faith in Artemis. He says that he says that it's going to be okay. And if Artemis says that there's a way to escape the biobomb, then there is. Which I mean, if I were Butler, I just feel like I, this is where I die. I'm just gonna die now, and somebody else is gonna get that insurance premium. <laughs> <laughs> the gold arrives by the hover trolley that's propelled by itself. Butler checks it for booby traps and finds out they. Rigged a camera to the dang thing. And then he starts unloading the gold. Holly is very mesmerized by the amount of gold, because fairies love gold. She basically got a boner for the gold. <laughs> she really did. <laughs> she was like, oh, wow. And it's like um, an episode of a cartoon where they like open a room and it's full of candy. It's the same, like, the same face, I think. Artemis sends Butler and Juliet to unload the gold. And starts negotiating something with Holly. He um, has a plan to use some of her magic. He basically asks her for a wish. Yeah. Uh, which, I'm like, damn, what else can this bitch do? She can grow <laughs> wishes too? Dang. So then Root and Foley are sitting outside watching. They suddenly see Holly emerging from the house with a trolley full of gold? What? Retrieval nabs Holly and um, sprays her with radiation suppressant because they're like, he was tampering with the battery. There's no way that your head's not irradiated. So then after um, she gets all sprayed down, Holly tries to stop Ruth from going through the plan, arguing for Juliet as an innocent. 
and that's actually when Root calls her a casualty of war. Um, he says that my orders are set in stone, and there's nothing I can do about it. We are bombing this house. Then we're going to get the gold back. And Foley's like, well, if he does survive, he gets to keep the gold, because that's part of our rules. But they're still based, like, set on the fact that he's not going to survive. Yeah, he's not going to survive. There's no way. No, not at all. But if he does, if he does... It's his gold. He gets to keep the gold. Which is funny, uh, speaking of the gold. <laughs> and then, after this conversation, Foley presses the button. Bomb's on its way. Yikes. <laughs> uh, back in the house, Artemis tells Butler that uh, he gave away half the gold back, but doesn't tell him why. And then he says, hey, let's go celebrate. There's a bottle of champagne in the kitchen. Which, I'm not a champagne drinker, but this is some fancy ass sounding shit. It's uh, Dom Perignon. Dom Perignon. Whatever. There's a G in the middle of this word, and I don't even know how to approach it. (laughs) Um, Stop. Fuck. I don't know. It's French. It's French. But I listened to the audiobook earlier today, and that's how he says Dom Perignon. Which, to be fair, guys, I think that's cheating. The audiobook? Yeah, I think you're cheating. Well, I read the book first. And I the... think that's also cheating. I'm not allowed to read the book anymore. <laughs> All right, I'll just read the Wikipedia summary. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. So I feel like you have an unfair advantage because you heard all these words. And it's like when, uh, before the internet, when you would read a book and you would just like, pronounce the people's names like you thought they would be pronounced but it was like fucking wrong so then when other people are talking about the book you're like who the fuck is that oh so oh. so there's this uh one character with the wheel, that's like that with the wheel of time that a lot of people get upset about uh, after they came out with the audiobooks how would you pronounce e-g-w-e-n-e i don't know i'd have to put that into google <laughs> <laughs> so um a lot of people are like it's edgween uh Egwin. Egwin. <laughs> it's it's Egwene. fuck off yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> um but <laughs> so our <laughs> so um okay um, so by the time that Juliet and Artemis, nope, Juliet and Butler catch up to Artemis, he's poured the bottle of dumb, dumb, whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> he's like, I'm a minor, I know, but I'm sure mother wouldn't mind just this once. It's not like she's going to drink it in her psychosis. <laughs> Um, but, you know, that just kind of made Butler think that the situation was a little sus, but, uh, he's like, fuck it, he's the boss. And then Juliet's like, can I drink that? And then he's like, I guess that's okay. And then he's like, you know, I love you, don't you, Sis? Which, I'm like, that's disgusting. Who talks about their feelings? It's 2020, we don't do that. He's pretty sure they're about to get nuked, so I would Yeah, so, so then I'm like, ugh. Like, if my brother's like, I love you, I'm like... Do I need to take your temperature? Are you experiencing any other COVID-like symptoms right now? <laughs> <laughs> so then she was like, ew, because same. And um, she smacked her brother on the shoulder. So, you know, whatever. And She's like, you're emotional for a bodyguard. Yeah. 
Butler's a little bit suspicious of the champagne. He thinks something's up, but he's like, you want us to drink this, don't you, Artemis? Artemis is like, yes, I do. That's why I poured it out, bitch, is yeah. what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Butler and Juliet both down their champagne like it's a shot, and Butler immediately tastes a tranquilizer in the drink. He's like, I would have time to reach over there and snap snap his neck, but I don't want Juliet's last moments to be stressful <laughs> as he passes out. And uh, Artemis purposely didn't tell them the plan, because if they knew their anxiety would have somehow fought against a tranquilizer... Yeah, if they knew they were going to be uh, drugged, then their bodies would have fought against it. Yeah. And then he drinks his and also passes out. And then we hop back over to Foley, Root, and Holly. But, I mean, like, it probably didn't take very much for Artemis to get knocked out. Because, you know, reminder, he's fucking 12. He's 12 and he's a small-ass little boy. A little boy. (laughs) With no beard. So back to Foley, Root, and Holly... They are watching as the biobomb sails into the lobby of the house, and the biobomb is so advanced that it can be fine-tuned to kill everything in a small area and not touch anything outside. Not even a blade of grass outside of the manor will be killed by the biobomb. But every living thing inside the manor will be killed. Renovations. Yeah, renovations. (laughs) Holly is strangely sad that Artemis and them are dying. Root orders everyone to... Put on blackout suits to protect against any lingering radiation. And he's like, alright, well, let's head back into the house. And everything smells like death as they approach, since the bomb killed all the insects and animals around the house. Um, rabbits. No! <laughs> <laughs> Why did you have to remind me? They're not getting any readings from, uh, from thermal vision inside the house. But Foley says that's because the blue rinse throws all that off for a few days, so they're going to have to check it out the old-fashioned way. As they step through the doorway, immediately everyone, except for Holly, starts throwing up. They all get violently ill, and now we quickly learn what happens when they enter a home where they are not given an invitation to. So then that makes me wonder, like... Did Mulch just, like, overcome this before he lost his magic? Or was he just, like, stubborn enough to where he's like, I'm gonna get this shit no matter what. Covered in vomit. I think that uh, what happens is they get really, really sick. And if they keep persisting, um, they'll fight through the symptoms, but they will lose their magic. So, like, if they didn't leave the house after starting to get sick, they would eventually have lost their magic. Okay. They just get really sick first. Okay. It's their body's way of warning them, like, hey, 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 hey. Almost almost a magic. Hey. Also, a Neutrino 2000 sounds like a blender. <laughs> <laughs> like a Vitamix. <laughs> um, so, Holly isn't getting sick because Artemis technically never told her that she wasn't allowed to come back into the house. And so she was technically still invited. It's like your annoying friend who comes in without knocking on the door. <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff from Fresh Prince. I've never seen Fresh Prince. You've never seen Fresh Prince? Yeah, I've only seen like an episode or two. Alright guys, the Artemis Fowl podcast is cancelled. We are now going to be the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air recap podcast. I'm sure there's already one. Probably. 
But we could be the fresh pot of Bel Air. Think of the amazing name. That's beautiful. Yeah. Secondary podcast. Yeah, there we go. That's what's going to happen after we finish the Artemis Hell books. But you said that there's so many. Yeah. Also, side note, I'm a little offended that Jake took, like, disabled me from the spoilers um, chat in the Discord. Not that I looked in there, but I'm just like, wow. Dang. He won't even let me look, even if the possibility was there. It feel it makes me feel like he doesn't trust me. I gotta protect you. But you already accidentally spoil stuff for me all the time. Don't say that. Just because I talk you into a corner. You're very tricky. <laughs> Circle talk. <laughs> <laughs> so Holly heads into the house alone. She <laughs> Uh, she goes to where her cell is, or was, and, uh, sees all the gold is stacked up there in nice, neat military rows. So, she knows Butler did it. Yeah. Good old Butler, she thinks. She finds no bodies, realizes that somehow, somehow Artemis won. Um, you guys might be able to hear my cat throwing a fit, because she's not allowed in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then next we hop over to Mulch, who, he's back! The boy is back! My favorite precious little boy. You know, I feel like you and Mulch have a lot in common. Yeah, we fart all over the place. Yeah, which I was going to tell you about something. I have a hell yeah. You have Oh yeah! I have a hell yeah! No, I'm not going to high five you. Oh. It'll be really loud for the mic, and we don't need that. That's true. Um. So, Mulch is like, what's up to no one? Because he's a dead bitch, okay? And then he's, <laughs> <laughs> he sneaks into a hole in the ground, and he's trying to stop giggling uh, as he's taking all the gold. So he's stealing the gold while they're distracted looking for whatever the fuck it is they're looking for. And then he, like, giggles because he's a free bird. Rich! And best of all, he's presumed dead. And by the time that the the LEP realized the gold was missing, Mulch Diggum will be a half a continent away. If they realized it at all. Yeah, because he only took, he took about, what, like, two dozen bars, I think is what it said. So, he's like... With all of this gold that they still have, they're not even going to notice. He took two dozen... Ish? Ingots. 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 Then there should be an E in this word. <laughs> I'm done with the English language. It's bullshit. It is so bullshit. And fuck, okay? Like, seriously, come on. This is bullshit. Ingots. It looks like it should be ingots. Yeah. See, this is what I'm telling you. Back to before the days of the internet. You just pronounce words however the fuck you wanted. That's ingots. Ingots? Ingots, yep. Did the audiobook tell you to, how to pronounce it? Um, I knew that one before. You knew that one? Yeah, I knew that yeah, one. Yeah, that just looks like ingot. <laughs> <laughs> the people will think I'm dumb. And Mulch says that he's going to um, live out his life pretending to be a human dwarf who just doesn't <laughs> like the sun. So he's just going to pretend to be... A gamer. <laughs> he's going to go get a nice apartment in Manhattan and only come out at night. Or he's going to just pretend to be a millennial. 
They said millennials can't afford nice apartments. Damn, it really do be like that, though. Because all they care about is their damn avocado toast, and they're killing the diamond industry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we come back to Artemis, and he's hearing someone calling his name. Some fatherly voice. So then he's like, father? Thinking that word sounds strange in his mouth. Unused. Rusty. Artemis opened his eyes. And Butler was leaning over him. Like the goddamn angel he is. And he's like, Artemis, you're awake. Oh, Butler, it's you. So he's like, it's not my dad! But, whatever. (laughs) And uh, Butler is pissed. Butler's pretty damn pissed at Artemis. He's like, explain yourself. Artemis starts explaining his plan. And then he's like, Artemis, my sister's lying drugged on that couch. She was almost killed. So you explain yourself now. (laughs) (laughs) He's just going in a kind of roundabout way. And he's like, Artemis, the tranquilizers. And he's like, okay, okay, fine. What happened is... Realizing that he went too far. Yeah, he realizes he went too far. And we find out that uh, Artemis says that his plan... He he knew that from the start that he would have to find a way to escape the time field and escape the biobomb. But he didn't know how to do it. The fairies hadn't discovered a way to do it. So he went back to their Old Testament to try to find it hidden in a story. He went back to when human and... Elven civilization was mixed, and he found out about Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus, you might be asking. Yes, Santa Claus. He was originally an elven king named San de Cras, and also known as San the Delusional. And San the Delusional believed that... It's not s- delusional, it's deluded. Oh, it's deluded. Unless that's not how you pronounce it, and it can be <laughs> del- deluded. 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 Like he done looted that house. <laughs> but anyway, Sam the del- Sam the deluded was deluded because he thought that he could calm the greed of the humans in his kingdom. By giving them gifts. Lavish gifts. Lavish gifts. So he had his warlocks uh, create a big time stop field. And while everybody was asleep, he snuck into their houses and gave them gifts. Which, like, how the fuck do you come up with that plan in the first place? Like, here's all these greedy mud people. Let me uh, calm their greed by giving them more stuff. No, that just makes them more greedy. <laughs> how was he? Who put him in as a king? And, um... <laughs> no wonder his kingdom's not around. Yeah, that's why he's the deluded. Deluded. Uh, um, and so Artemis, is, Artemis realizes that whatever your mental state at the beginning of a time stop stays your mental state throughout the entire thing. Not your mental state, but your state of consciousness. Your state of consciousness. Your mental state has nothing to do with it. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> um, your state of consciousness remains the same. Take Artemis's mother, for example. And so, um, <laughs> he was like, if we can find a way to fall asleep during the time stop, we'll escape the time stop. So we just need to find a way to fall asleep and we'll escape the time stop. And, uh, he says, 
I just had to force us to sleep with some of Mother's narcotics. But I'm just like, why did you have to swipe her narcotics? Um, why not just take some Benadryl? <laughs> they needed something stronger. Snort it. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and Butler was like, you're willing to put my life and my sister's life on the line for a guess at a Santa Claus story? It's a theory. For a theory? <laughs> it's a theory, because it has evidence to back it up. Yeah. And he's like, well, we had a test subject. And do you guys remember earlier in the book when Angeline, Angeline Fowl disappeared? Bum, bum, bum. They mentioned it just a little bit. I thought she just went to another room. No, she, she uh, Juliet was like, yeah, your mom's gone. <laughs> your mom's fucking gone, dude. And he was like, cool. I thought she just went somewhere else. No, that's why you turned the camera on in her room. I mean, technically she did go somewhere. <laughs> she just... Yeah, she just went to like another room. Or their summer home or something. Um, no, because she didn't leave her room because of the monsters. Wow. So he's like, see, Butler? That's why I couldn't tell you about it. Um, I had to stay secret or you wouldn't have... No, or you would have tried to fight it. He's like, is all forgiven? And he's like, sure. But one thing, we're not doing this again. The fairies are too human. And our Artemis is like, yeah, yeah, let's not do this again. The crow's feet deepening around his eyes. Never again. Also, Artemis is 12. How does he already have crow's feet? I was kind of wondering that same okay. thing. <laughs> and for someone so rich, he better be up in his skincare routine like stat. <laughs> He better be rubbing snails all over his face. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> like snail essence, it's a thing. Butler's like, well, speaking of, we should probably go check on your mom. Make sure she's okay. And they look up the stairs, or they begin to head up the stairs, and they hear a noise coming from the door, the other side of the doors. The doors suddenly open. Butler draws his Sig Sauer and says, Artemis, get back, there's an intruder. But really, it was his mom. She came out of her room. And she's normal? She calls for Artie, asks where he's at. And she seems to be completely normal. And she oh. Oh, I said, um, so she seems she's her old self again and she's like, I'm sorry, Artie, and he's like, For what? For everything, for the last few months. Um, she admits that she hadn't been herself, but things are going to change. And that she needs to stop living in the past. So maybe she's finally come to terms that Artie's dad is not coming back. And he's just lost at sea with all that cola forever. And she also says that she's sorry for not getting him a present. And he's like, what for? Apparently, it's Christmas Day. And I was like, of course it is. Why else would they talk about Santa looted? <laughs> I was like, that's too convenient. It's it's this guy's book. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> um, she tells Butler to get on the phone and uh, hire some decorators to Christmasify the house. <clears throat> then she just starts catching up with Artie and asking him all sorts of mundane questions that you would totally ask a 12-year-old. Like, have you decided on a career yet? But also, like, 
Why doesn't she just straight up ask him, what the fuck happened to my house? <laughs> and, and he just said, well, she did. She said, I want to know everything, but first of all, what happened here? And he says remodeling. The old doorway was riddled with damp. What the fuck is damp? I just assumed that was like the um, like British way of saying the wood was moldy. It's riddled with damp. So I'm like, the, it was wet? It was moist? Sorry, guys. Uh, if you have a word aversion. <laughs> um, was it soggy? Soggy and moist? I'm telling you guys, she's really upset that she can't be in the basement. But Loki, that might be a dog. And, of course, Artemis's last thought as we leave the book. Is that she did bring him a Christmas present. Also, that he's going to have to be much, much sneakier in the future. Because it's not going to be as easy to scheme with her around. But he's glad to have her. With her being completely lucid. Um, so now we go to the epilogue. And, uh... Apparently the book is a case file, <laughs> and we now realize what a dangerous creature this fowl is. It says that there's a tendency to romanticize Artemis and attribute to him qualities that he doesn't have. Like, he didn't wish to heal his mom because he missed her or wanted her. He just healed his mom because there have been a basically a child protective services case already opened up on him. And it was, like, under investigation, so he did that to, like, get rid of that. We do have to remember, though, that this this chapter is from a point of view, and this person does not like Artemis. So this may or may not be true. But, like, Loki, who likes Artemis, Butler just hangs out with him because that's literally his job. Juliet hangs out with him because it's literally her job. Everybody else in the book hates him. And then the mom loves him because she's his crotch goblin. <laughs> um, uh, we learn that Artemis keep, decides to keep the existence of the people secret. But the narrator says that uh, that's only so that he can f- exploit them further in the future. On which several. he does on, on several <laughs> occasions. There's some sort of nod to future books saying that both protagonists, meaning Holly and Artemis... Um, will have their greatest adventure when they work together during the Goblin Insurgents. And then um, we learn that this and the, uh, or the, not epilogue, the prologue, were written by Dr. J. Argan, one of the two dim-witted analysts who, um, who had been analyzing the conversation between Root and Artemis. So one of the two goobers who was arguing... (laughs) about uh, every little thing is actually the one who wrote this report. And the details are 94% accurate and 6% unavoidable extrapolation. You nailed it. Great. Like, reading this book makes me feel like I don't know how to read. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that. That is the end of the first Artemis Fowl book. So... Overall thoughts, what did you think? Or maybe we should save review for the special secret bonus episode. Uh, It's not a secret if you keep telling them. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know. I think it's better than I thought it was going to be. Just because, you know, some children's books later after they've been loved forever. Harry Potter. um, 
we find out that the author is problematic. But to this day, Owen Colfer is still loved. And but, people still think that he's a great dude. So he's basically a gem. So thanks. But also, why is your name spelled like that? It's like, Jake told me it's Owen. And I was like, really? I don't know how to read. I really don't. I don't. I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, do you got a hell yeah? I do have a hell yeah. And I'll go first. The reason I haven't gone first is Jake will look at me and like say, okay, it's your turn to go first. And I'm just like, and then I like basically look at him like a deer in headlights. So I just wanted to let everybody know that I'm back on my bullshit and I got yet another squash mallow. This one looks like a little devil. Don't ask me his name. I looked at it before I came down here and I forgot. But I also got a little vampire. And his name is Vlad. But I think I might have already told you guys about Vlad. And I now, like, you know, four days after I fucked up Jake's beard, I now recognize him right off the bat. But I think the part that I think you look so weird about is that you don't have no damn sideburns either. Like, I fucked it up. And before I was allowed to grow a beard because of my job, I was allowed to have sideburns. So I had some pretty rockin' sideburns. Yeah. But also, like, don't pretend it's just your job. You also couldn't. Bro. (laughs) (laughs) Fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you can edit that out. No, that was was freaking amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I forget that I uh, just go so quick into roasting. No, I love it. <laughs> also, another hell yeah is in spite of me fucking up his beard, Jake has not decided to divorce me. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't. He's not as upset as I think he would be. Like if the tables were turned, I would be like <gasps> so upset. And now I'm just like. You just look weird, and I did that to you, and I'm sorry. It's fine. And then, like, his boss roasted him even better than I did. She's like, you look like you would be in a band. Not any band, just a band. Yeah, she's like, you look like someone from a band. Not any someone in particular, or any band in particular. Just like someone who would be in a band. And I was like, thank you? Question mark? And then I'm over here like, yeah, like a hotel cover band. (laughs) Anyways, what's your hell yeah? My hell yeah this week is Gyoza. She's looking at me like, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, These little just like Japanese pastries that are like fried and stuffed with like pork and stuff. And they are uh, just like little Japanese dumplings. And they're so good. Um, I, I started to fall in love with them again because of Doro Hidoro, which is a hell yeah for another week, but, uh, they're just so good. I could eat only them for, for meals and meals and meals and for just for weeks. I'm not looking at you like, what the fuck? Because I don't know what those are. I'm looking at you like, what the fuck? Why, when did you have those without me? I didn't. I got them from Dragon City. I didn't get those. Those dumplings that me and your sister got. You guys got dumplings that I didn't even notice. Yeah, like every time we get Dragon City, and then when I went to the uh, the Japanese place with my boss the other day, we got, I got gyoza and those fried uh, jalapeno things I was telling you about. <laughs> the things I told you were jalapeno poppers. Basically. 
jalapeno. So they were jalapenos cut in half, <laughs> stuffed with cream cheese and crab meat, and then deep fried. And they were so good. But the gyoza were better. Uh, gyoza is probably like one of my favorite foods right now. And so, yeah, they're my hell yeah this week. Now I'm hungry. All right, so I think that wraps everything up for this episode. You can follow our show on Twitter at PodcastMostFoul. And remember to send us in some questions for our bonus episode next week, where we will talk about our thoughts on the book as a whole and do some extra little fun activities that I've got planned. Uh, You can follow um, the artist who made our incredible art at JWXArt on Twitter. And you can also follow the uh, artist who created our uh, intro music at Springtide on the Free Music Archive. They are pretty fantastic, and I've listened to a lot of their other music. Also, if you're a listener and you're in the United States, please make sure you're registered to vote. Yes, very important. Today is National Voters Registration Day. Hell yeah. Um, And today is the first day of fall. Also, oh, shit. Who the fuck decides when the first day of seasons are? Because I need them to scoot fall up just a little bit. It's druids. What? It's the druids From who Dungeons control the weather. From Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. It's the druids who control the weather. What's a druid? They're a nature wizard. Like real life who decides? The druids. They're not real. They were real. They were real? They didn't have magic that could turn them into animals, but there were real druids. And look both ways before you cross the street. I feel like I'm forgetting something. I already roasted you throughout the thing. I don't have any. That's foul. <laughs>